you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalms, Psalm chapter 77 this morning. And uh, we're going we're gonna to read it a little bit at a time and talk about it a little bit at a time. But uh, let me, I'm going to kind of set it up before we, before we dig into it. And you're going to wonder why I'm even mentioning this, but the psalm literally closes out on the banks of the Red Sea. That's where, that's where the psalmist thought takes him, and I'll explain that a little bit more as we, as we go through it. And um, when we think about the Red Sea, you know, that's where, that's where the Israelites um, left Egypt that night and found themselves kind of caught in a trap there at the banks of the Red Sea. And I, I've heard different Bible scholars say there were anywhere from, from anywhere from 3 million to 6 million Israelites that came out of Egypt, and they, they, they made it as far as the Red Sea, and then they found themselves caught, trapped, with Pharaoh um, closing in on them to bring them back uh, into captivity. And, and we all know what happened at the banks of the Red Sea. God miraculously intervened, supernaturally intervened. Moses extended his his um, arm with his staff out against that sea and the waters parted to the right and left and the Bible said that, that they went across there on dry ground and as soon as the last one um, went through the sea and those Egyptians followed them into it, God closed the sea on them and the Egyptians were um, destroyed um, on that day. And, and, if you, and if you look at that story in, in Exodus chapter 14, when you, when you get to Exodus chapter 15, there's a great deal of rejoicing that goes on um, Miriam wrote a song actually that Israel sang to celebrate the victory that they had at the Red Sea. So um, when, when we think about the Red Sea, it's a, it's, it's a story of, of supernatural intervention and, and, and even judgment on the enemies. Um, it's a picture of a new beginning because the New Testament tells us that the Red Sea was like a baptism for Israel and that through that Red Sea they, they identified themselves um, with Moses and the leadership that God had placed him on. It's also the fulfillment of a prophecy. Um, the last one that said anything about it, I think, was Joseph. Uh, it was a prophecy that was given to Abraham, but Joseph repeated it, um, how that they would spend those years in Egypt and then, and then move into that promised land. So it's all those things, but when you think about the Red Sea, there's more to it than that. Um, I think the Red Sea, because of where the Israelites were and because of what went on in their heart and mind in, those, in, that, in that span of time before God parted that sea, um, there's a lesson there in how to deal with adversity when we feel like that there's nowhere else that we can go, when our back's up against the wall. And, um, and some of you might remember this, and some of you won't, but um, I, th- it, I think it was in 2009, um, a, a pastor at the Donaldson Fellowship in Nashville, Tennessee, which is a Free Will Baptist congregation, he's he, a ghost writer for David Jeremiah, he's a really good writer, really good speaker, his name's Robert Morgan. He wrote a little bitty book called The Red Sea Rules, and I read that book, and it spoke to me profoundly, um, because he went back to that story of the Red Sea and the parting of the Red Sea and said um, the, the, the subtitle of the book is, is Red Sea Rules, 10 God-Given Strategies um, for Dealing with Adversity um, When Your Back is Against the Wall. And so um, I, I'm, I'm going to do a series on that, a Bible study series. It's been a long time since we've covered it, and I did it in a preaching format. I'm not even sure I did it on a Sunday morning. It may have been a Sunday night. But um, I want to I boil it down to more of a Bible study format and go back and rehearse that because I think it's very appropriate for the time that we're living in. And so I plan to start that on February the 17th. Our, our attendance on Wednesday nights has been way down, and I know part of that is because we don't have any youth ministries going on on Wednesday night. 
But we're going to resume those youth ministries and also um, start this new Bible study. And I think it'll be a great blessing to you if you can come and be a part of it. So today's message, there's two things I want to do. Number one, I want to introduce you to the Red Sea rules with this message. Um, I'm going to introduce you to that Bible study that we're going to do and promote that Bible study that we're going to do. But I also want to be inspirational to you right now and helpful to you right now through um, this message from Psalm chapter 77. And I think you'd all agree with me that life gets almost unbearable for us at times. We, we, we all find those, ti- those times and those places in our life where we really do feel like our back's up against the wall and there's nowhere else that we can go. Um, we, we find ourselves literally like the Israelites did, caught between the mountains and the wilderness and that great sea that stands before us. And we don't know what to do and we don't know where to go. And we get, we get distraught and in despair very quickly. In fact, if, if you ever find yourself in one of those places, it, you, you, you'll run through a gamut of emotions. Um, the Israelites, I think, were initially bitter that God had led them to that place. And, and literally the accusations were, you led us here to kill us? You led us here and put our back up against the wall with Pharaoh behind us, the sea in front of us, the mountains on the side of us. And so there, there was some bitterness there. There was some hopelessness there. There was some anger there. Um, there was doubt about whether, whether God could intervene or whether God would intervene. Um, there was, I'm sure, anxiety there, confusion there, despair there. And, and we've all found ourselves in those places where we feel all those things. Um, where they just come in waves on us. And, and when we get in those places in the middle of it, uh, God seems like He's a long ways away. Um, sometimes even we, in, when we get in those places, we wonder if God's even real. Um, he's not hearing us. He's not answering us. We don't feel His presence. We, we have a hard time latching on to any of His promises. And when we, when we get to those places, we, we, we thank God, are you even there? Uh, and even worse than that, sometimes if we don't lose our faith in God completely that He's there, we say, we know that you're there, but do you even care? Are you indifferent to what... Um, we're going to. And so Psalm chapter 77 is a text that was written by a man over 3,000 years ago who felt all of those things. Every one of those negative emotions that I um, just shared with you. Um, 3,000 years ago there was a man that felt all of these things and he put his quill to a parchment and began to write about the anguish of his soul. The man's name was Asaph and he happened to be a worship leader in the temple. You'll find several Psalms that bear his name. Um, he not only led in the temple worship, he wrote some of the music for the temple worship along um, with David. Now, we don't, we don't know what his trouble was. There's nothing in Scripture that indicates to us um, what, Asaph, what brought Asaph to this place. I like that. I, I like that for the same reason I like that the Scripture doesn't tell us what Paul's thorn in the flesh is. And, and the reason I like that is because if, we, if they're not going through the same thing that we're going through, we think they can't identify with us right now. So I'm glad God didn't tell us what Asaph's problems were. I'm glad God didn't tell us what, what Paul's thorn in the flesh is because we'd probably write it off. They don't know what I'm dealing with. They may have known what we're dealing with. We don't know what their problem was, but we do know um, that his pain is very obvious and the words that he wrote to us, especially in the first half of this psalm, expose a soul that's groping around in the darkness, a soul that's in deep anguish. Um, A lot of people, I I, I would challenge you sometimes just to do a Google search. and um, Actually, there's a book out there, but you have to go beyond the book title, Dark Night of the Soul. Dark night of the soul. That's what Asaph is going through, a dark night of the soul. There are a lot of people that's been there, a lot of people that have experienced that place, a lot of 
of, of, of the heroes of the Bible have been in that, in that place. And that's where Asaph is. He's having a very dark night of the soul. And about halfway, in fact, exactly halfway through this psalm, um, that dark night of his soul comes in contact with the sovereignty of a holy God and his soul is uplifted and brought out of the darkness and into the light. And you'll see that he goes from a place of despair and fear to a deep and settled faith in who God is and what God is capable of. And he leaves us at the end of the psalm on the banks of the Red Sea, which is where I want to go with that study, um, which is why this is a preface to that study. But let's read this psalm together and uh, I just want you to get a glimpse into what Asaph is dealing with. In verse 1, he said, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. That little word selah is just a... It's just in, in the Psalms, when you see it, it just means to pause and reflect on what he just said. And then verse 4, he said, Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with my own heart, and my spirit made diligent search. So um, here's how I describe those first those first six verses. Asaph is comfortless and in despair. He's in a bad place in his heart and in his mind. Um, he's in a deep place, a place of, of pain, a place of anguish, a place of sleeplessness, a place where he don't even feel like his prayers are being heard or being answered. Asaph is he is discomfited and discomforted and despairing in this passage of Scripture. Let me give you a paraphrase that I found of verse 2. and this, I don't remember which translation this came from, but it, it was one of those modern um, paraphrase translations. He said this, I found myself in verse, two, in verse 2, I found myself in trouble and went looking for the Lord. My life was an open wound that wouldn't heal. When friends said everything will turn out all right, I didn't believe a word. Now, I think if you'll read verse 2, you'll see uh, all of those little thought processes bearing themselves out. Asaph found himself in a bad place, too, too, too weary to pray, um, too anxious to sleep. And, and those last few verses make me think of being alone in, in the presence of your own mind. Maybe y'all ain't ever been there, but I'm telling you, I've been there. When, when, when you really don't even feel like praying anymore. You've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and you felt like it hadn't accomplished anything and it hadn't been heard anywhere. You're not seeing any answers. You're not feeling any relief. And, and you just get too overwhelmed to even pray. And then you just you get so tired you can't even sleep. Y'all been there? Y'all been caught in your own mind? I felt before, um, I'm thankful that season... I, I was able to put it behind me by the grace of God, the help of His Word, and the promises of His Word. That's where I'm going to take you later on. But, but, but there was a time I could not get out of my own head the negative thoughts, the feelings, the frustrations, the, the doubt, the despair, the bitterness. There was, I was trapped in my own mind. Um, I, I was talking to somebody the other day that has battled, um, has battled some deep anxiety and depression and... Um, and he literally caught himself in the middle of his sentence and said, oh, I can't let my mind take me there. 
I can't let my mind take me there. It was, it was pulling him back into that place. And he said, I can't let my mind take me there again. I knew exactly what he was saying um, because I've been in those places. And I think if we'll be honest this morning, all of us have been there to some degree. And it may be that it may be it may be financial troubles that that are heaped upon us. It may be the loss of a job. It may be some form of sickness. Um, maybe a sickness that hadn't even been diagnosed yet. But we just know something's wrong, and we don't know what it is, and we fear what it might be. Uh, it may be a death that came suddenly in our family um, that was unexpected, that left us with all kind of. Um, uh, uh, unsaid things and, and, and things that had been left undone and left us in a place of despair. It may be trouble in a marriage um, that nobody knows about. It may be trouble with children in a home that nobody knows about. And we, are, we get sucked into that place of, of anxiety, of despair, of depression, of fear of what the future is going to hold. And, and sometimes it's a place where we have our own personal failures and we're afraid of those things being brought out uh, and, 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 and shown to the world around us. It'll drive you deep. I don't know what's going on in Asaph's life. I don't know if it's sickness. I don't know if it's, if it's, if it's a failure on his own part or something going on in his own home or family. But I can tell you this, that when you get in that place, the devil is relentless. When he knows that he's got your back up against the wall and you're feeling what... And, and you, I don't mean to stutter like that, but listen to me. My mind wants to run a bunch of different ways right now. I don't think the devil knows what we think. There's nowhere in the scripture that tells me Satan is omniscient. God's omniscient. He knows the thoughts and intents of our heart. I don't think the devil can read our heart, but what he can read is our emotions. What he can see is the look on our face. What he can identify is the fear in our voice. What he does do is listen to the words that we speak. And when he knows that we're in those dark places, he is relentless to feed that doubt. He is relentless to fuel those fears. He is relentless to push us to places of worry and anxiety and depression and all those things, all those negative emotions um, that none of us want to feel. When we get in those places, he doesn't let up. He doesn't let up. And I think sometimes he leads us to the same place where he led Asaph in verse 7. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Is His mercy clean gone forever? Does His promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath He in anger shut up His tender mercies? And then the psalmist wants us to pause. And so in those first few verses, I see a man that, 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 that he cannot, he has not been comforted. He is in a place of despair. And now it turns to anger and questioning. And his anger literally is directed at God. I mean, if you read what he just said, he literally said, God, can you even hear what I'm saying? Do you even care where I'm at and what I'm feeling? Uh, and he, he goes so far as to say, are you out of mercy? Is there no grace anymore for your people? Now, I know sometimes we like to say we've never done that, but I, listen, I'm glad God put these places in Scripture. 
God's a big enough God that He can hear the accusations without retaliating against us. The Bible says that He knows our frame. He knows that we're just dust. He understands. The, the Bible says about Jesus that He was touched with the feeling of our infirmities, that He was in all points tempted, tried like we are, yet without sin. Now, this is, all this is is just raw, real emotions. And, 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 and you read this and you think, wow, how can a man say that against God? We may not have said it out loud, but I promise you, 90% of us in this room, if not more, have at least thought sometimes, God, do you hear what I'm saying? Can you, do you care what I'm feeling? Do you understand where I'm at? And can you not intervene? Will you not intervene? Do you, do you care anymore? That's what Asaph is feeling. And, 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 and that, that's just a reflection of a, a soul that is in turmoil, that is questioning even the nature and character of God. Are you good? Are, are you still who you say that you are? Now, you go read the book of Job, and you're going to hear some of the same stuff pouring out of Job's mouth. But here's what the Bible says about Job. He never sinned with his lips. God doesn't consider that to be sinful on he, he just knows, here's a man um, that is finite in his mind. He don't understand what's ahead. He don't understand what this is about. He don't know why he's been put in this place. He just knows that what he's enduring right now is a literal hell on earth. And God never revealed that to him. God never told Job exactly what was going on. And he let Job pour his soul out. He went from a place of not being able to be comforted and despair. And just like Asaph, now he's angry and, and literally questioning whether God even cares about him anymore. Job wasn't an atheist. He wasn't an agnostic. Neither is Asaph. These are not bad men. Asaph is a man that literally had devoted his life to worshiping God through song. And he's in this bad, bad, deep, dark, despairing place. I challenge you sometimes to look through the pages of Scripture and you'll find a lot of people that was there. Job comes immediately to mind. Rebecca had a bad time when, um, when, when, when Jacob left her. In fact, the Bible said that literally when she died, that she died of a broken heart. Moses got in that place. Um, Gideon got in that place. Elijah got in that place. Jeremiah. Lived a great... Read Lamentations. Don't read it devotionally because it'll depress you. Read the whole book of Lamentations. Jeremiah, faithful to God 40-something years to do exactly what God said. But you read Lamentations, it is, a, it is a book written that exposes the anguish of a man's soul. You know, the only part of Lamentations that we usually, um, that we usually memorize, um, His mercy is new every morning and great is His faithfulness. But the rest of Lamentations is pretty hard to read. Because this is a man that's deep down in his feelings about God, about himself, about God's plan for his life, for Israel. And so I want to tell you, it, it, none of us want to be in this place, but I, I would venture to guess most of us have been here, and some of us at deeper levels than others, but all of us reach these places in our life where we, where we find ourselves caught and our backs against the wall. We don't know where to go. We don't feel like God cares where we're at. 
It's all right to go to those places. It's not all right to live in those places because I don't believe a soul can. I don't believe a soul can live there long. It's too much. And Asaph had an immediate turn in this psalm in verse ten. It's like I don't know if he wrote this all after the fact. I don't know if he wrote this during the fact, but but he wrote it and he exposes to us what he felt in one man and groping around in the darkness of his own soul and how that quickly shifted and he found a place of hope. He found a place of refuge. Um, in verse 10 he said, I said, this is my infirmity. I'm here because I have allowed myself to get to this place. But he says, I will remember the years of the right hand. That's the hand of authority. That's the hand of power. That's the hand of might. I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. And then there's that pause, Selah. Stop and think about. So you got this man that was comfortless and despairing, then angry and questioning, and all of a sudden in the middle of the psalm, he has a complete about face, and now... He is thoughtful and remembering. Very specifically, he got a hold of his feelings by remembering some facts, by thinking back about the goodness of God in his life through the past, the power of God in his life, um, the promises of God that had come true. A, a paraphrase of verse 10 is this. This is my problem. I have forgotten the past, but now I will remember the years of the past and the wonders of his providential care. Asaph said, you know what, I've, I've, I've let my mind run to this place of darkness. My soul is in anguish. And that's my mistake. That's my bad. That's my problem. And, 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 the, and the correction to that problem is, I've forgotten the past. I, I've not been remembering the years of God's care for us as His people. I've read this as an illustration. I'm not going to get d deep in it. But people that are being tortured um, in the army and in, in, in Marines or whatever, when somebody has been caught by the enemy and is being tortured, uh, they're taught to focus on something that is unmovable, something that is, something that is steadfast and sure, something that, that brings them some hope or some comfort, a, good, a fond memory. Um, the anticipation of something that is to come that's good and wholesome. They're, they're taught if you're going to endure the torture, you're going to have to bring your mind captive. And you've got to bring your mind to a place where you're not focusing on what's happening to you in the moment, but you're focusing on something of the past that's good or something in the future that's promised. You've got to go to that place in your mind. And I, listen, there's a lot of scripture that talks about how that we bring our mind captive. Um, how that we can begin to think about different things other than what we're um, enduring in our own life. But um, if, if, if we're going to get out of this place in our mind where we're, we're in the dark night of a soul, 
We've got to look back at the goodness of God. And let me tell you something. You, you, you can say whatever you want to say to me. You say, you preach, you're oversimplifying this, you're doing this, you're doing that. I promise you this, if we will look back in our past, we will find the good hand of God at work in our lives. It's there. It's just that when we get in this dark night of the soul, we can't hardly see it anymore. But you can run backwards into your past and think, wow, I remember that good... And I, yeah, it may create a longing in you to go back there and you say, that might drive me deeper. Now, I think this, the trick is that we got to go... It ain't a trick. In order to get the devil out of our head, we got to go back and look at the goodness of God in the past. we got to consider that God's not left us right now because the promises that He's made us are yes and amen. Um, they're sure, they're steadfast. And, uh, you know, I, I look at it like this. Even if God doesn't deliver me right here, right now in this world, my deliverance is coming one way or another because He promised that it is. It's coming. One way or another, I win because Jesus already won the battle and my trust is in Him and my victory comes from what He has already done for me. But you, you got to run and get a hold of God. you got to run and get a hold of, of, of how good He's been in the past, His power that's been manifested in the past. His presence in our life right now, even if we don't see Him, even if we don't hear Him, even if we don't feel Him, Jesus said, Lo, I'm with you always until the end of the world. That's His promise. It is yes and amen. There's no doubt about that. We know that to be true. Um, and the truth is we've all had those tough times. We've already been through these seasons before. Um, but has He ever failed us? Has He ever truly failed us? Has He ever really forsaken us? Absolutely not. We feel that way sometimes, but he never has. We've all felt that. We've all been there. And, and our problem is just like David's problems. You know what? I've let myself get here, and the enemy has made me his target. But now it's time for a change of thinking. I, and, and I challenge you to go read the book of Job. All God did for Job was remind him of the past, of his present, and of this future. And, and when God got through with Job, Job bowed his head and said, I'm sorry I ever made an accusation. You're right. It's true. God will never fail us. He'll never forsake us. That's a fact. That ain't a feeling. That's a fact. In the last few verses of that psalm, he takes us to the banks of the Red Sea. He, his mind ran all the way back to God's phenomenal work that he did for the children of Israel. He said, the water saw thee, O God, the water saw thee. They were afraid. The depths also were troubled. The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound. Thine arrows also went abroad. The voice of thy thunder was in the heaven. The lightnings lightened the world. The earth trembled and shook. Thy way is in the sea, and thy path in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Thou leddest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So it's amazing to me how he started this psalm and how he ended it, because now he's completely confident. Now he's comforted in just that thought of God's deliverance in the past. He went all the way back to the Red Sea and said, I remember that time. Now, he wasn't in that. It was part of the, the history of the nation. Asaph wasn't there. 
But his mind took him all the way back. I remember that time in our nation's history where we had our back against the wall, where we had Pharaoh pursuing us, mountain top, mountains on the sides of us, and the sea before us. And then all of a sudden, God moved. God spoke. God said, stretch forth your arm, and we went across. I thought it was interesting. Um, that's, that Red Sea, the impossibility of crossing that sea to the nation was part of their redemption. It was, it was, it was where God's power was manifested to them and he proved once and for all that there are no impossible situations. Now, they had not learned that lesson. They, had, they still had doubts and fears. They still got in those bad places in their mind. But that was where God began to show them, I, you won't ever be in a place where I won't be with you. You won't ever be in a situation that I can't deliver you from. And so listen very carefully. Um, God, I believe, proved that wherever we find ourselves in our life, He's not only with us, but He has everything that we need to take us through this. Let me say it like this. Verse 17 stood out to me. Thy way is in the sea. Think about what He said there. Your way is in the sea. Sometimes you lead us into that thing that we fear the most just to deliver us from it. God has a sovereign plan for our lives that is also always accompanied by His divine providence. Let me say that again because this is what I want you to understand. You ain't where you are by accident. And when we start looking in this Red Sea rules, I'm going to remind you of a bunch of things. One of the first things you're going to see is God puts you there. There's a plan for your being there. Do you understand? You read the book of Job, you understand that God put him in that place? Job didn't know that at the time. He didn't understand what was going on in his life. He didn't know about the cosmic battle that we read about that was happening in the heavens at that particular moment. But God, God put him there literally to prove to the world that Job was a righteous man. And that Job's faith was intact and that he would not turn against God. God's purpose and plan for our life. It's either, it's either God did it or God allowed it, but we're there, and that's part of God's plan. And, you know, we, we claim Jeremiah 29, 11. I preached about it a couple weeks ago. We claim Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We claim them. We need to believe them. We quote them. We need to believe them that with God's sovereign plan, wherever we find ourselves in, in this life, as deep, as awful as it may feel at the moment, God's providence is there with us. Providence that God will provide. You look in the scriptures, if you look at our own lives personally, I think you'll, you'll, you'll agree. Sometimes the Lord leads us around deep waters. He don't always make us walk through them. Sometimes He leads us around them. But there are times like Peter, that, that he calls us to himself on those waters. We sing a song called Oceans. It's just about that. When we find ourselves over our head, he's calling us to himself. In the midst of a storm-tossed sea, he calls us to himself in faith. Sometimes he leads us around. Sometimes he, he comes to us on the water. Sometimes he, lead, he leads us through the waters. Thy way is in the sea. But the promise remains, I'll never leave you. 
You're not going around them. You're not going on them. You're not going through them. I like the way the psalmist said it. You're, we don't even see your footsteps. Your footsteps are unknown, but you're there with us in your providence. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2 says this. I didn't write it down. So For thou art the God of my strength. I've, I've given you the wrong verse. <laughs> I should, that's why I need to write these verses down. I'm almost sure it's in Isaiah 43. I'm bad about... Uh, it's, 40, it's 43 too. What did I give you? That ain't what my Bible says in 43 too. <laughs> huh? Oh, that's why. I was fitting to say. I must have typed back down wrong. I'm sorry. Isaiah 43 too. There it is. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I've read that verse and I'm thinking, no, I don't think we want to go there. That's the wrong direction. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. That's the promise of God to his people. Now I know what the Prosperity gospel preachers say, but I ain't one of them. That didn't say, if you pass through the waters. It said, when. It didn't say, if you walk through the fire. It said, when. Hard times are going to come our way, and we're going to find ourselves exactly where Asaph found himself in our mind in those first ten verses. But there's the promise of God that we got to go back and remember and reflect on and find confidence in and find comfort in so that we can move forward, not in fear, but in faith. That's how we move from fear to faith. That's how we move from darkness to light. Um. <clears throat> I know some of you. It it it, it feels it feels shameful to even talk about this, but I got a good preacher friend that I met years ago. We went to Gastonia Church up to see him. Pastor of a large, thriving, very evangelistic church, and it um. You'd think nobody in the world's gone. Nobody in the world's got it going on like he's got going on is ever going to find himself in a deep, dark place. But he wrote a book called Battling the Black Dog, talking about depression. I never thought I'd find myself in one of those places either. But see, my wife will tell you, and I hid it from you guys probably better than I thought I was hiding it. 
but a couple years ago, I went through a place where I was, my anxiety, I've never felt like that before. And I tell you what, one thing God did for me through that season is I can see it in people now and I can hear it in people now. I can see it in their eyes. I can hear it in their voice. I know where they're at. And then I, I told Cindy, I don't know that God didn't just let me pass through that deep place in my life so that I could be more sympathetic and minister to other people that are there. It was awful. I remember saying to Cindy during that time, I can't live the rest of my life like this. I can't. I remember getting in my truck and riding out to the hunting club and all kind of awful thoughts coming through my mind. And I'm like, uh-uh, I can't. I'm not going there. And I've told you, you think I'm kidding with you, but I walked around this sanctuary, Sarah comes spending the night with us one night, and I had a bad anxiety attack. I mean, literally full-blown heart racing, couldn't breathe, tunnel vision. It just, it starts here and just sweeps over you. And I'm like, what, how am I going to this place? I know what the Bible says. I know what I believe. I know who God is, but I'm telling you, my, your mind will suck you down a hole that you don't know how to get out of. I told Cindy that night, I said, if I get up and leave the house in the middle of the night, I'm not going anywhere but to the church. Don't tell Sarah. I don't want her to panic. And I did. 11.30 at night, I was sleepless. Couldn't pray, couldn't sleep. I come over here in this dark building and walk in and out of these pews and pray and sing and, and, and go in my office and open the Bible and read and, until... until until God arrested my attention, my, my, my go-to verse, my claim that I kept calling upon God. You said that, if, that thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee because he trusteth in thee. And I'm like, God, I've got, got to get a hold of you. And I could feel it drain out of my body. It's like, it was, it, like you poured it on the top and then it went out the bottom. And sometimes the peace would last for a few hours and sometimes a few days and sometimes even a week and then it would come roaring back. Now, I hadn't been there in a long time. By the grace of God, I hadn't been there in a long time, but I watched my dad go through that same water. I could pick up the phone and call him on Sunday night and I could hear it in his voice. And I'd say, Daddy, God's still on the throne. You're still his child. He still loves you. You're not here alone. I tell him what helped me. Some of y'all might be there right now. There might be some junk going on in your life that you don't want nobody to know about, but it's dragged your mind into a bad place. I'm telling you, God don't want you to live in the dark. He don't want you to live in those dark places. You got to remember His goodness. He's been good. His faithfulness. He's been faithful. He's never failed us. He's never forsaken us. And He won't. Because He promised He wouldn't. So where are you at right now? Here's what I... I asked them to sing this song. Because I, I, I believe it to be true. God will make a way. When there seems to be no way. Red Sea, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. God will make a way for me.
He'll be my God. Draw me closely to His side with love and strength for each new day. God will make a way. God will make a way. Now, if you're in one of them dark places today, it's going to, that, 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 that way that He makes is going to start right where Asaph's did. We just got to turn to Him. We just got to focus our heart and our mind. We sang a song earlier. I'm, 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 musicians, y'all come on because I'd heard me up. I'm meandering too much right now. But listen. They that wait upon the Lord. Read that. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall walk and not grow weary. They shall run and not faint. And, I, and I'm going to challenge you to do this. Go look up that passage of Scripture. We, everybody's got it on there. It's, it's a Hobby Lobby sign. Everybody's got it on their walls. we got it in their homes, but we don't understand what it means because when we, when, we, when we think about the word wait, we think about just sitting there doing nothing. Y'all hate to wait. I hate to wait. If I go to a restaurant, I don't want to hear 15 minutes. I don't want to hear I got to wait. I don't want to wait on anything. I want what I want now, but that's not what that word wait means. It's not a season of doing nothing. If you look at the word wait, look it up. I did myself. When I had one of my late night Bible studies, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I want to know how to renew my strength. Wait upon the Lord. I'm tired of waiting. I looked it up in Strong's Concordance. Here's what wait means. A straining of the mind in a certain direction with an anticipation. They that wait upon the Lord, they that strain their mind in a certain direction to the Lord with an anticipation, they're going to renew their strength. They're going to keep running. They're going to keep walking. They're going to mount up with wings as eagles. God will make a way. Let's stand together. Lord, I, I, I feel like I've rambled a lot. I don't know, God. I, I, I believe you led me to this passage of Scripture today. Maybe I've been more transparent than some folks are comfortable with. But There was a time in my life I didn't know what a dark night of the soul felt like. And although I don't want to ever go back there again, I'm thankful, Lord, that through that season of my life, I grew in some ways that I would never have grown otherwise. I had to answer some things about my own faith. And Lord, I don't know where these folks are at today. Sometimes we do an awful good job of hiding that dark night of the soul. Maybe Asaph did. Maybe he stood in the temple and led to worship every Saturday. I'm thankful that he found a time and a place to write down the dark night of his soul and how he drug it out into the light of who you are and of what you've promised. And so just whatever's going on in folks' heart in their life here today, I, I, I want you to help them with this passage of Scripture. Help us all. Help us all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See, he will make a way for me.
gladly to his side with love and strength for each new day he will make a Strength for each new day. 